Welcome to Nine Senses 2015 Horrific Holiday Special. This year we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Some of our content has come to the show by way of you, the listeners. But before we get into that, we all know this season is ripe with sadness, sorrow, <laughs> depression. Hell, statistically speaking, two people off themselves just as I've been talking. Wait a minute, did you hear that? What? It, it can be. It, it's Witch Zaftig of Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig. It is so good to see you on this very special and slightly down uh, holiday special. What brings you to town? Well, I heard you were asking for hol horrific holiday stories. And um, I don't have one because all my holidays are fantastic. But I did write a wonderful carol for you um, to get us more into the spirit of the holidays. And uh, you asked me to be here. What? That sounds <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. A little bit of meta behind the scenes. -y, but uh, anyway, can I, uh, can I hear the carol? Absolutely. about anyone else, but I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> I think we'll be hearing that again from the other Nine Cents contributors throughout the episode. You know we Zaftig. I always get a little randy during the holidays. I'm not sure if it's the implied mistletoe contract or, fuck, even the fat man in a little red suit. I don't try to justify it. And this isn't the eggnog talking, but god damn, girl, you look fine. <laughs> mistletoe alert. Oh my, um... Adam, is that a mistletoe you have tattooed right above your... Yes. Yes, it is. Give me some sugar, babe. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Honey, can you bring me the screwdriver? Which one? The screwdriver! The fucking screwdriver! Which one do you think? What the fuck? I only need one. Which one? Just give me the... Mm, the Phyllis? Phillips? Just give me a... God damn it. Will you keep your voice down? It's bad enough you wait until tonight to put that together. I don't want you waking the kids with your rattling. Well, it's not like you else can do it. I didn't see you trying to help. Keep it up. You're gonna wake the kids. They crashed hours ago. We're fine. I'm fine. I'm building here. Together toys. It's not like you're building anything. What? I thought you liked my sweat. Not <laughs> wrong. Oh come on, baby. Don't be mean. Give sweaty daddy some sugar. <laughs> you know, I think Elsa's wand would fit nicely the in my. Scent. What? 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 Elsa didn't have a wand. 
Can I see if it fits? No, that would be gross. What's gross? I'm just curious. Let me see if it fits. Boom. Only if I can put it in you first. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh my god, you're sick. Oh my god. Mm, you like it. You like it. Santa? Fuck, go to bed. Someone's not here. Don't look. Mom? Dad? Turn your head around. Stop. Don't look. <laughs> Is that my Maleficent stuff? Why are you standing there? Go to bed now. Get the thing out of me. I'm trying. No. No. Mom? Oh. <laughs> All right, so this holiday episode, I reached out to you, the listeners. I asked you to send me in your most wonderfully horrible holiday stories, but I didn't just want it to be you guys. So obviously I reached out to some of the other hosts of Nine Cents, and throughout this entire, uh, I'm not going to call it a segment, but this portion, as we go in and out of it throughout the rest of this episode, we're going to be experiencing a little bit of holiday madness from a, a number of different people, including your own. So I know I didn't tell you that I was going to be reading your holiday stories on the air, but I am. <laughs> but don't worry, no one's going to know it's you. Uh, I'm going to make sure everything stands in, in anonymity. However, at the very end, I will be announcing the winner, which was a random draw of submissions for these holiday specials. And of course, we can't get to them all. I'm just sort of choosing uh, ones to read that are varied in their presentation, I'll say. So um, before we get on with one of yours, let's hear one of ours. The best worst Christmas may have been one year my cousin hosted it. He sat our then living grandmother in the corner by the fire, and there she sat all night. When his friends arrived, she asked one of the ladies, are you pregnant or just fat? Yeah, she had that kind of class. At one point, my husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, sat down on the hearth next to Grandma to chat with her. She started telling story after story after story. At first, the heavy winter shirt he was wearing was uncomfortable with the heat thrown by the fire. Eventually, the heavy material became a needed shield from the heat being thrown off the fire. The guy was too polite to interrupt and walk away. Then there's the rest of the family, who are content to devolve into zombies in front of the television. I don't remember if it was the movie A Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life, but it wasn't anything anybody hadn't seen before. Yet it was better to sit with vacant stares at the screen than to engage another in conversation. The situation was only made worse when my mother, feeling that this was not the correct way to show the Christmas spirit, stood in front of the TV and tried to start a conversation. I have to admit I nearly burst out laughing when everyone on the couch leaned over from one side or another to try to look around her before realizing she was speaking to them. Dinner came and I went to take a seat. Now my cousin had bought his parents' place, and his parents had always hosted Christmas for the family when we were kids, hence his desire to keep up the tradition. And of my siblings and cousins, I was the youngest, so I had always got stuck in the back against the wall in the most cramped seat. 
out of habit, I started for that seat. And two things happened. One was that I realized my boyfriend was moving to sit next to me and would be uncomfortable. And the other was that I saw my sister-in-law making for the same seat. So I let her have it and took a slightly less cramped seat beside her and gave my boyfriend a still somewhat less cramped seat beside me. Now, why the fuck am I telling you all this about seating? Well, I didn't know my sister-in-law that well at this point. I had met her maybe once or twice before, and now I'm seated beside her for dinner. This was when I found out her obsession with being thin. I didn't notice it at first because she put about the same amount of food on her plate as I did when the dishes were being passed around. But between every bite, ten minutes passed. And of course, no one wants to be rude and leave the table while someone is still eating, and she ate for hours. Eventually, my cousin asked if she wanted a doggy bag. Now mind you, the whole time we're sitting there waiting for her to finish, half the table is trying to be polite by eating way more than they should have, and the other half is just drinking. And my boyfriend and I are getting way uncomfortable, wedged as we are between the table and the wall. Finally, dinner ends, and we head back to the living room where the zombies can resume their expressionless gaze at the boob tube. Presents are passed around, and my boyfriend and I find solace petting the, my cousin's dog. There's one shining moment in the evening. I can't take credit as my now husband thought of the idea. Remember Roadrunner cartoons and the Acme kits? Well, it's been a long-standing tradition that someone gets an Acme kit for Christmas. This year it was my mother. We gave her an Acme Stray Cat Capture Kit because she had been taking in strays and be was becoming a cat woman. The kit contained a topless cardboard box, which you would invert, a Y-shaped stick to prop up one side of the box, and a string to tie to the stick so that it could be yanked away, allowing the box to fall. And, finally, a small singing Christmas tree to hide behind while the cat walked into the lure. That same year, my sister had gotten a battery-driven pig that would walk and snort. So my mother set up the lure and hid behind the singing Christmas tree, and my sister let loose her walking, snorting pig. A moment of silence fell on the room. Well, not silence really because the TV was still going and the dog was still walking about, but all the people were fixated on this battery-operated pig. Even old Granny in the corner was watching, as if something unpredictable might happen. As if the pig, which could only move forward and snort, might somehow turn away. Well, the pig moved under the box, my mother yanked the string, the stick came free, the box fell, and my mother caught herself a pig. Everyone cheered. And then the people on the couch turned back the t to the TV, and, and more presents were opened, and my granny started telling stories again. And the magic of the moment. Okay. Last year, about this time, I left my wife for a long lost love I reunited with. A very difficult change to make for sure. My wife and I have three kids, none yet in their teens. I had to break the news to them that I was moving out. I then moved in with my girlfriend, and although we were both working, all of my money was going to my wife to make sure the kids' needs were met. So at the time, I was being supported by my girlfriend. My wife obviously filed for divorce, and me having no money, I couldn't afford a lawyer, so I represented myself. In that time, my girlfriend got laid off of her job, and I had no money coming in. I had taken my money back from my wife to try to pay rent, but by now we were so backed up, it was barely getting by. 
I wake up this afternoon to get ready for work to find an eviction notice taped to the door. As it stands, I have less than 24 hours to vacate, no place to go, no car, and have not eaten in two days. And that's not even the half of it. Fascination is a binding, which comes from the spirit of the witch, through the eyes of him that is bewitched, entering to Fascination is a binding. Now the instrument of fascination is the spirit, namely a certain pure, lucid, subtle vapor, generated of the pure blood by the heat of the heart. So this week's question comes from Matthew via Facebook, and he kind of has a three-part question which uh, I, for purposes of brevity and clarity, have sort of narrowed down. Uh, but he begins with, how much did Zoroastrianism affect the Abrahamic religions? And um, the answer to that is that Zoroastrianism is actually hugely relevant to everyone in the Western culture in terms of its moral duality. So Zoroastrianism uh, dates back to about 3,500 years ago. And the crux of it is, in terms of its uh, duality, is that it had a good guy and a bad guy. It, Ahura Mazda was the sort of deity of wisdom, the good, and he was in this sort of cosmic battle with Angra Manu, which was, uh, translates as the angry man or the bad guy, essentially. And us as humans were sort of constantly between these two influences. Um, how this is relevant is that often people assume that the monotheistic religions with this strong duality comes from Judaism. But ancient Judaism was not, uh, did not have a strong duality. There's no real bad guy. Uh, when Satan is mentioned in uh, the Hebrew Bible, it means absolutely nothing to way that Satan was reinterpreted uh, in the medieval period. So what does happen, though, is that Jews in exile, um, because different people kept invading Judea, exiling all the priests and stuff, happened a few times. But in exile in Babylonia, where um, Zoroastrianism and this strong duality had a very strong presence. So when they're in exile, they pick up these dual uh, morality types of traits. And when they're re returned to Judea, then Judaism uh, takes on these characteristics. And it takes on these characteristics, especially since the history of Judea itself um, has, is sort of a history of the, its people and its various invaders. So when they're under duress, when they're uh, in you know, being occupied, the, first the Greeks, then the Romans, um, around the time of Jesus, scholars actually like to refer to it as multiple Judaisms. So there's many different factions, mm. never been a unified type of thing. And at this time especially, um, there's multiple uh, factions of Judaism that have a high apocalyptic uh, type of characteristics. So the world's going to end. Um, the Roman, our Roman, em the, the emperor and his soldiers, it's just evidence that things are in chaos. The world's going to be destroyed because they, they took on these dualistic uh, characteristics. And so in the sense that there's a good God and here's all the bad things that are happening and they would associate the Romans as the bad. And here's evidence of the end of the world's coming. Um, when in this sort of very complex uh, in the Roman world, the, so the room, uh, one of the reasons that the Roman Empire was so successful is because it allowed the local religious practices uh, to occur. They didn't suppress anyone's religion. They said, um, 
sacrifice to the emperor and pay your taxes and you're good. So for most of the, uh, first the Greeks, then the Romans, they had a similar system. Uh, they were successful because they didn't try to oppress the people that they were ruling over. <laughs> they said, you pay us and we're good. We're not going to kill you. You just got to... <laughs> Um, but the Jews were not, most Jews were not happy with this arrangement. Uh, so there's some were, some weren't. There's all sorts of um, different um, uh, evidence about different factions of Jews and how they felt about the Romans. But why that's important is because the Jesus movement, um, what a lot of people tend to forget is that the Jesus movement, because it's not Christianity yet, uh, is one of those multiple types of Judaisms. And, uh, you know, which has particular things to say about the social context uh, of the time. You know, the Roman pressure, um, the what to, how to respond to the different um, outside influences. And whether or not, I, I'm one of those people that thinks that um, whether or not Jesus existed is entirely irrelevant. I know a lot of people like to spend a lot of time thinking and writing about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who cares? Uh, clearly, um, he was relevant enough that uh, it took hold at some point. But what's interesting is that Matthew asks why Christianity was so popular at the time. And the reason I bring this up is that it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was uh, probably at its beginning a few dozen people. It took 300 years for it to actually become um, legalized. And once it was legalized, then there's a whole bunch of reasons for it. So the context of the time is incredibly diverse. There's all types of Judaisms, and then there's all types of Christianities. Christianity does not rise as one single entity to then um, expand across Europe and suppress everybody, which is usually how people understand it, especially in the modern context of sort of anti-Christian sentiment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, not at all. It has this sort of organic kind of growth for all different reasons. It appealed to women a lot because it had sort of a freedom at the time that the Roman culture didn't offer. There's a whole bunch of reasons. But um, it does have, from its inception, the dualistic component, the good versus the evil, you know, which, if you're painting very broad historical throats, uh, uh, threads, comes from Zoroastrianism. And even influences things like Santa, <laughs> to tie it mm. back in. The notion that um, here's the good, here's the bad, um, and you're going to be rewarded for behaving to be, you know, being good and you're going to be punished for being bad. Um, this kind of figures of what it means to have these two opposing types of absolutes. And the reality is humans behave in a lot more uh, complex ways. But mm -hmm. um, we do like to think in terms of these absolutes and Santa ties directly into that kind of notion that we like to fit neat categories. We like to scare children, be a good girl, be a good boy, and you won't get coal in your stocking, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you were raised on that, but like when I was a kid, when I was a yeah. girl, it was a thing. Like, you know, my mother used to say, you will get coal in your stocking, you know, and I just thought that was such a coal. First of all, I didn't, I wasn't quite sure what coal was. <laughs> I knew, I knew the miners like to go and get it somewhere in the earth, but yeah. it was kind of a, this vague concept. I just knew it was not toys. So therefore bad. Why would you give me coal? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Did you ever get coal? Like actually get it? Uh, no, I was always a good girl. <laughs> yeah. <I bet. laughs> my uh, my stepbrother did actually get coal one year. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Cool. It was only until the afternoon that he actually got his presents. And so he had the whole morning of just totally sadness, oh. crying. And 
<laughs> it was a very cruel oh, thing to that's do. That's a little cruel, yeah. He was a little piece of shit, though. So. <laughs> it, I mean, I'm it was sure, there was good reason for it. I'm sure my mother wanted to give us coal sometimes. I'm I'm pretty certain that that <laughs> she was tempted quite a bit. It is weird that, you know. It, Every single one of these movements, whether you're talking about the ancient Abrahamic uh, movements or the later Christian movements, um, you know, we stand in history looking back at them, and because of the strength of the dominant version taking hold, assume that it was just one movement. Yes. And it wasn't this fractured, splintered thing or, or completely uh, similar ideas uh, developing independently. Like yeah. They had nothing to do with each other. So it's easy for us to just think that that's how it was. And so that's why I really, truly love these questions coming together, because it, it gives us this uh, understanding that, no, it, just as you were saying, it, it is very much a fractured thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always and, has been. So and even its reception, um, I like when I uh, teach in university the course on new religious movements, they tend, mm-hmm. the students tend to assume it's something that you know, it's happening now, Scientology, Raelians, you know, sort of the sexy topics, which I'll cover, but I usually begin... Raelians are pretty damn sexy. The Raelians are very <laughs> sexy. And I, but I usually begin my very first class talking about how Christianity was received at the, uh, in its first few hundred years, because we have evidence that it was viewed like a cult. Those mm-hmm. crazy Christoi followers of Christ, um, and how they you know, meet among their dead. They used to meet in the catacombs because it was illegal. So in the Roman culture, the idea that you would actually go and sit among your dead because the dead were, you know, sort of untouchable, revered. Um, uh, in the entrance of some Roman cities, you had the, the dead buried outside. So the idea that Christians would willingly go and meet among them was so bizarre. And there's like, we have texts like warning, like, don't you dare, like warning their young, their children, don't you dare join those <laughs> weird, <laughs> those weird followers of Christ, that, that Jesus guy, that's weird. So Christians were the first Gothics. Yeah, they were. And, and the, one of the rumors about them was that they were cannibals because they ate of the body and drank of the blood of Christ. So in this yeah. symbol is that now we don't even think of as literal, like we don't, we hear the phrase and we don't even associate it with actual blood and actual flesh. But at the time when it was, um, you know, new, no one had, you know, here's this new, among multiple different types of Judaisms, oh, mm. here's these even weirder Jews doing even weirder things. <laughs> so, this actually brings up a good point because we're talking about how uh, Christianity wasn't actually seen as a singular movement until like almost 300 or more than 300 years after the death of Christ if he ever did live and die. Yeah. So we're, and that would have been the point that um, they would have looked back and said those are cannibals. So when you're saying this, are you saying that in the actual time, in the time. they saw the Christian as cannibals or yeah. they didn't see it until 300 years later? No, at the time it was one of the rumors about them. One of the rumors, the same way that um, people, when when they hear about different, um, when they hear about Satanism, they automatically mm-hmm. assume all kinds of weird stuff about um, you know, ritual killings or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those, uh, we have to remember in general, Every time there's a new idea introduced to any society, there's always mistrust, no matter what. So any new idea is always going to be met with suspicion. 
Um, so Christianity is no exception. And even after 300 years, when it sort of gets cemented, it, it only does that as a response to the dozens and dozens of Christianities out there. So though those with the most power say, you know what, we're going to canonize these texts. This is what Christianity is. And, all, and, we're gonna, and they literally went out and tried to execute. <laughs> uh, so Gnostic Christianity died off. Um, all co- different forms of Christianities. Uh, Christianity was ne- was never and is not one single thing, and it never was. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly um, ideas that are pervasive about different people who would call themselves Christian, but it's never been a single movement. 300 years is important because at this point we have very high-ranking uh, people. It becomes legalized, and then it becomes official state religion. Um, so that marks this important notion of now it is no longer this small, obscure cult in the far-off, troublesome province of Judea in the Roman Empire. Uh, At 300 years, it becomes official, and then it's political, and it's uh, Mm -hmm. economic, and it's a whole different entity. Um, And that was Emperor Constantine, right? Constantine, um, there's a, the, the popular notion is that he converted, but we actually don't think he converted at all. He did legalize it. So right. when he legalizes it, it, it becomes very different. And then there's a few um, very high-ranking bishops that then take um, the text as we know it today and cement them as canon. But there are multiple circulating texts that existed then and still continued to exist. Some were hidden. Um, so the, the Gnostic Christian texts were hidden. We only found them about uh, 50 years ago, I believe. Um, but we knew they existed because there was theologians writing about how wrong those Gnostics were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we know texts existed because of some of the surviving texts where theologians are saying, oh, those Gnostic (laughs) Christians are full of crap, and um, clearly that's heretical. So, um, but then we find them sometimes, or we find evidence of, you know, texts mentioning other texts that even if we we don't know what those texts contained, we know that they were important enough that someone, that some theologian had to decry them, had to denounce them. So it's sort of a, it it becomes a history of denouncement and (laughs) counter-denouncement. You know, you guys are I'm right. Yeah, I mean, in the same way we know that there's black holes, not because we've seen them, but because we've seen the effects and relations of stuff around them. And so it's the same way that these ancient uh, or fractured uh, groups we knew lived because they were responding. That's amazing. So why do you think, because there's so... I mean, if if this idea, this super oversimplified idea of good and bad, right and wrong, which is so central to virtually the majority of all of these ancient religions, where does that come from? And why are we still perpetuating that today when we (laughs) none of us live that way? And and we're teaching our kids that. It's an interesting question. I think um, my opinion is more about how humans uh, behave in terms of their relationship to the conceptual notion of good and evil. So mm-hmm. it's easier to encapsulate um, what it means to be a good boy or a good girl um, to your children when you just use those terms. So mm-hmm. most parents um, aren't sitting down and having these sort of philosophical discussions with their children (laughs) about the nuances of morality and ethics, um, mainly because um, even the children that can grasp it a little bit, like they'd get bored, you know, so like even, you know, self-aware and intelligent children aren't going to sit around and have these kinds of discussions. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. You as a parent likely know that. 
you have to break it down. Here is simple, this is acceptable behavior, this is unacceptable behavior. And however you, whatever um, sometimes mythologies you attach to what is acceptable and unacceptable sometimes reinforces that because then the entire community can then grasp onto those concepts of acceptable versus unacceptable behavior. So it's not just you as the parent, it's everyone else around looking also at the child and then reinforcing um, you're not allowed to behave like this. You are allowed to behave or expected, you are expected to behave like this. So I think it becomes a matter of here's the, the concept and even though it's quite vague, we attach attributes to the concept and it's easier than to encapsulate with a phrase, be a good girl, you know, don't be a bad girl. Or, you know, be a bad girl. Yeah, please. please. <laughs> or please be a bad girl or <laughs> tap into your... It's, it's an interesting thing that, like, um, um, uh, precisely when we talk about women and, and sex, uh, like, in the modern context, like, if they've been told to behave in all these different ways for the whole life, even if it's not directly from the parents, you know, the sort of the whole enveloping culture, there's a concept yeah. of what a good girl behaves like. And when you deviate from that you're automatically sort of outside that margin of good behavior. Yeah. Where a lot of satanic women very much like to be. <laughs> I love them for it, too. <laughs> that was awesome. And really complex question. Um, where can, uh, I mean, for those listening, for the benefit of those listening, how can they submit their questions to you? So they can uh, email me directly at zaftigworks at gmail.com or there's the Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig Facebook page. The, um, there's also a Twitter account, which is just witch underscore Zaftig. And I have a blog also that you could uh, contact this. My contact info is on there. The blog is unorthodoxyblog.wordpress.com. That's fantastic. Well, I, I do suggest everyone, uh, it, you have an opportunity to ask uh, a, a scholar a question and get a detailed, uh, fully realized answer um, with facts rather than opinions. <laughs> and so that's, that's a pretty rare thing. I'm, I'm super excited that Wichzaftig is uh, spending our valuable time on this podcast answering your questions and is for this foreseeable future going to continue doing so. So please... Uh, join in the fun again I, there's a lot of questions so you know like she com like compiled a number of questions for this response yours may be compiled as well so expect that if you have the same type of question as someone else mm -hmm. oh hey it's mr stover hello hey adam i'm just calling to see if you got the gift i sent you yes i did the cactus uh it's original i thought you'd like it yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, hey, did you get what I sent you? I did. It's uh, it's pretty cool. But I gotta right. ask, is that really a mold of your? Yeah, know? yeah, no, it sure is, and I hope you like it. Is it really that crooked? I mean, that bend to the left is. Wait, wait, wait. You, you mean you, yours isn't? No, 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 no. It's not. It's totally normal. Okay, I mean, because I mean, yours is like that. Hey, let me tell you about my shitty Christmas last year. No, I mean, I, I kind of want to put a bow on this other thing, if we could. So, last year? Yeah, I mean, really, I, I would really like to... So, last year, I was staying with some family for the holidays, and everybody was partaking of the eggnog, like no mm -hmm. old part partaking. 
Mm-hmm. And after everybody was all nice and toasted, they all went to sleep. Or so I thought. I was woken up sometime in the middle of the night by the most horrible creaking noise. You know, the creaking sound that only a bed can make. <laughs> and that sound could only be coming from one of my relatives' rooms. I tried not to think about it too much, hoping that it would end soon. I had no such luck. That sound continued more rhythmic, more arrhythmic, and then more disjointing, and then fading away, only to return with a maddening vengeance that made me grit my teeth, cover my ears, and squeeze my eyes shut. I couldn't sleep through that sound. I had to drown it out, if only in my own mind. So I went to the kitchen and browsed through the various implements that I could use to soothe the madness that was taking hold. I contemplated the corkscrew and the drawer full of knives and forks, but I knew none of that would do. I needed to numb my mind, so I reached into the refrigerator and took the vessel of Nog and drank deeply, straight from the divine source. Instead of helping, the sound only became louder, with the addition of flesh striking flesh that only made it more unbearable. I depleted the reservoir of Nog and fled outside, mistakenly thinking that distance from the source would cause it to abate. Instead, it was like being thrown into a vortex and plunged into a churning sea that I could liken to the, the second circle of hell. Shades <laughs> and spirits danced amongst the sky and frolicked upon the ground, wearing the faces of my relatives. Garbed in Christmas sweaters and reindeer hats, they mocked oh. me with their carnal voices as they smeared each other with nog. And throughout the events of this ordeal, that creaking sound became louder and louder and louder until I screamed into the sky and ran out into the desert. No! Fuck! Then what happened? Uh, I don't know. They found me passed out in the neighborhood chart. Apparently, I drank way too much tequila. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, okay, about that other thing. Hey, look at the time. Hey, have a Merry Christmas. My family used to routinely gather for holidays, typically Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, before a series of events like this one made it more of a vacation and gift to spend these times away from each other. <laughs> My grandmother is notorious for saving money any chance she can, and rather than having a holiday be an example of extravagance and indulgence, she makes it a giant dog and pony show that the many ways that she can pinch pennies even harder. <laughs> she is pretty well off and has no reason to avoid indulgence rather than her, other than her Christian upbringing. And this particular Christmas, she had found that, for reasons that should be obvious to anyone, that there were drastic savings in key lime pie at the store, which is good to save on. Uh, so in order to save upwards of ones of dollars, not a typo, <laughs> she decided that rather than something delicious and traditional, like apple, pumpkin, or even maybe a cherry pie, we had this cheap abomination of a pie. Now, I wouldn't eat key lime pie on a nice spring day, even if if it was made by undead Julia Child herself. (laughs) This was special in its awfulness. Because of the cheap nature of the pie, rather than being made out of real lime or real anything, it was this Chernobyl green horror that could be smelled from the porch outside while we tried to enjoy our food. After my sister took it out of the oven, she accidentally, she swears, dropped it on the floor, (laughs) covering the tiles in what looked like a pie crust filled toxic waste spill. Well, my grandmother scooped this back up into the pie tin from off of the floor and insisted we eat it. Every member of the family refused and she flew into angry hysterics. After 20 minutes or so of screaming at us, and the most awkward silence ever, the family decided to all go their separate ways. (laughs) 
So when I was about 10, my brother, I guess, was 12, and we decided, well, we didn't decide. My mother decided to take us to Disney World for Christmas and couldn't be happier. This is like, you know, a dream come true. We've been to Disney World before, but I mean, once is never enough. So great idea, but this is where everything breaks down <laughs> immediately after the great idea when um, my mother decides that we should rent an RV and drive to Disney World and um, bring the whole family. You know, it would be me and my brother, my mom and dad, and my nana and grandpa. Well, the men in my family are a little bit wiser than the women, maybe. And um, my dad, my dad had long ago stopped going on family vacations with us because he's smarter than that. Um, and he was aware that every family vacation turned into a waking nightmare um so so it would just be me and my brother my nana and my mom in a rented rv from new hampshire to florida all alone <laughs> so my mother so wait if i was like 10 so my mother would have been you know 39 um my Nana, you know, 60 or something like that, grandma age. Um, so these two women who have never ever in their lives driven an RV decide to take two children to Disney World on, um, oh, I don't know how long, 14, 16 hour road trip in an RV that they've never driven. So anyway, it didn't work out so great. <laughs> we, uh, let's see, the first thing, I don't know, the first thing that happened probably was the flat tire. <laughs> so we're cruising along. I don't know, we're somewhere in Arkansas, I think. Oh, no, wait. The first disaster that befell our RV trip to Disney World was that we decided to stop in Washington, D.C., because I had never, me, me and my brother had never been to D.C. before. Um, you know, nation's capital. We're like, fuck it. We're, it's on the way. Let's hit it up. So we go to DC. We park the RV somewhere in DC. I don't know, side of the road somewhere. <laughs> um, and we go do the, the national mall and the museums and all that touristy shit. We get back to the RV and we realized that a window had been busted out of the RV and someone had broken in and they had rummaged through everything and stolen the TV and the VCR, which makes sense. But the only thing besides the TV and the VCR that they stole out of this rented RV, mind you, um, were my clothes, a 10 year old girl's clothes. Maybe I wasn't 10, maybe I was 12. We'll stick with 10, just for the sake of the story. But they stole my, the entirety of my clothes and no one else's clothes. I don't know, they must have been out Christmas shopping for their 10 year old daughter and they thought well I'll get her TV VCR that fits in an RV and a bunch of new clothes so so here I am in the clothes that I have on my back and that's it busted out window in the RV no more TV VCR for the rest of the trip uh, <laughs> so we got broken into a DC which is typical I mean it makes sense now that I live 
45 minutes from D.C. and all that makes sense. But as a little kid from New Hampshire who had never known any sort of violence or uh, criminal activity perpetrated against them, it was all very um, disturbing. <laughs> so we're in D.C. <clears throat> we have this broken out side window in our RV, our rented RV. And it needs to be fixed before we continue on. So we take it to a shop. So we're in D.C., like, I think overnight getting this window fixed. And it sucked because it's, like, lost a day in D.C. But anyway, we continue on the trip. And we're so we're out of D.C. We're cruising along. We're, we're doing all right. You know, we get, I think we got to, yeah, about Arkansas-ish area. And, um... We have a flat tire, but n n we did have no idea because it was a, like a dually in the back. So there's, you know, four tires in the back and two tires up front. Um, I guess one of the interior tires in the back had popped, just busted, you know, flat tire popped. But of course, we didn't know that. <laughs> of course not. Well, how would we know that? Uh, so we're just cruising through this small town in Arkansas and we're... <laughs> People were like honking at us and waving, and my brother and I were sitting in the back, like just pretty kind of miserable because we were like, "This sucks." I thought we'd be in Disney World by now. We we're in some shithole in Arkansas, and everybody's honking at us and flailing their arms like crazy. People were like, "What is going on here?" And then eventually, it dawned on us that maybe they were trying to signal us for some reason. And uh, so finally we're at a stoplight and pull up next to someone in this room. Have a flat tire in the back. It's you're, <laughs> you're riding on a rim back there and not a clue what to do. No clue. So we finally, you know, find a gas station, pull over. You know, here we are way late again in some fucking shithole town in Arkansas. And we lose another day to this this flat tire because, you know, it was late in the day. I couldn't get, get us in. So we're two days behind schedule we should have been in disney world by now we should have been we were sitting in some awful place in arkansas hillbillyville and i you know we didn't get hotels or anything we we're just sleeping in the rv in the service station parking lot um oh god it was really terrible <clears throat> two days behind arkansas then we go shopping for clothes for a 10 year old girl in arkansas I don't know where we went, some dollar store or something, some equivalent to, um, but, so I've got, like, these flimsy, awful, ill-fitting clothes that I didn't want, but now I have to go to Disney World in these ugly, ill-fitting clothes and spend the rest of my big Christmas vacation in these horrible clothes that I don't like, and anyway, so, cruise out of Arkansas, now we're two days behind, I'm pissed, my brother's pissed, we're both sort of giddy with with anger and frustration <laughs> you know we're ha we're kind of having fun with it but my grandmother and my mom are fucking at each other's throats these women shouldn't be been allowed in a small space with each other for any length of time um but here we are in an rv in a rented rv <laughs> that is entirely too large you know both of my mom's five foot two my nana was you know five foot three um tiny little helpless women who had no business driving a gigantic RV for any length of time, but especially from New Hampshire to Florida with two small children. So we're cruising out of Arkansas. We're back on the road. We're pretty psyched. Everything's okay, except for mom and nana are fighting like crazy, arguing about 
this and that. I don't know. We're on the road a few more hours out of Arkansas, and we're doing all right now. <laughs> Everybody's back on track. We're in a good mood. We're going to Disney World. And then at one point, I hear my mom screaming. My brother and I run to the front of the RV just in time to see a car veer off the highway. I guess they missed their exit, and they were like, no, fuck it. We're going to try it anyway. But they missed the exit completely and just cruised right through a guardrail, down an embankment, bursting into flames. Um, first time I'd ever seen a car accident, and definitely the first time I'd ever seen a car explode. <laughs> so we pull overs. What the fuck are we going to do? It's my 60-year-old grandmother, <laughs> my tiny little mother, and then a 10-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. And we are just like, what the fuck do we do now? I mean, all of us are just shaking and freaking out and... <laughs> My mom starts to climb over the guardrail and run down there, and my nana was just, you know, just fucking running tackle. <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere near that fucking flaming death trap. Fortunately, another car pulled over, and it was, uh, you know, an adult male <laughs> with a semblance of a clue of how to handle the situation. So he runs down there, and, you know, the bodies and flames and I didn't see anything because my nana was smart enough to sort of herd us into the RV and try to calm us down but we knew what was going on and it was not pretty um I can't remember if we stayed much longer after that but I think probably not we probably you know my mom was definitely a do-gooder and she wanted to help but there was really nothing that we could do um pretty sure those people were dead <laughs> so that, so that was fun now we're back on the road. <laughs> you know, we're trying to make the best of it. Everybody's a little shaken up over that. But anyway, cruising along. All of a sudden, we start smelling this horrible smell. It's pretty obvious what it is. It's a very distinct spell. It is very septic-y, very um, fecal-y. <laughs> very gnarly smell and we realize sort of all at once we also four sort of look at each other and realize that the shitter's full and we have absolutely no idea how to empty it no clue uh i don't know if the rv came with instructions and my mom and nana just left them behind you know sort of flew, flung them out the window on the as we um, pulling out of the RV lot, <laughs> just like we won't need these. So no one, no one has any idea how to empty it. The shitter's full. The shitter is so full that it is spilling out of the toilet into the RV that we're cruising to Disney World in. Um, so we immediately pull over, and the four of us put our heads together and figure out that you know we need to empty this thing. You know, I think we all know that there's probably a place that you're supposed to do that, like at campgrounds and other th such things. But uh, we didn't have the luxury of we didn't have time. We didn't have that was not an option. We knew that we had to empty this shitter, <laughs> and we had to empty it right now. So we open the little hatch, and there's a hose. Pull the hose out. And we just decide, well, we'll just 
empty in here by the side of the road. It'll hopefully, you know, run off. I mean, isn't that the way roads are designed? Think, you know, r runs off down there to the in the gutter or whatever. I mean, this is the highway. We are on the highway. Pulled over by the side of the road on the highway with cars zooming past us at 90 miles an hour. Because uh, everyone's going to Disney World. Everyone's really psyched about it. I'm really in a hurry to get there. <laughs> so here are the four of us. My Nana, my mom, 10-year-old me, 12-year-old brother, emptying the septic tank of our RV on the side of the highway. Okay, so it was a great plan. <laughs> sure, a really good plan. Unfortunately, things didn't work out quite the way we wanted to, and instead of the shitty, pissy, toilet papery water running down the hill off into somewhere where we never had to think about it again, instead, it just sort of pooled around us and then sort of started moving away from us, away from the RV and toward the highway. <clears throat> so here we are, four of us, standing in a puddle of piss and shit and toilet paper, um, and that horrible, septic-y, blue stuff. Standing in a puddle of it, now it's pouring into the highway. It's fucking a lot of piss and shit and septic tank water. More than we ever could have imagined, really. Think of a lot of piss and shit and septic tank water, and then, like, triple that. Because it was, it just never stopped. And so we're in a pool of it. It's all over the highway. Cars are, like I said, cruising toward Disney World, super excited, 90 miles an hour, running through this giant puddle of that mess. And it's splashing back into our faces, all over our bodies, our hair, you know, it's in our, it's getting in our mouths, it's in our eyes, it's everywhere. So now my grandmother, especially, is freaking out. I mean, my Nana is like the sweet, like, cookie baking, like, you know, hair appointments every week, like, prim, proper. Can you imagine, like, imagine your Nana, if you had a Nana, or like, think of your Mima. She's standing by the side of the road with her daughter and her two little grandchildren in a puddle of piss and shit. And it is splashing into her little baby's eyes and into their little mouths and on their hands. And she's losing her liver snap mind. She's, <laughs> she has gone over the edge and she's hysterically screaming that we're all gonna die like this is the end like this is how we die is by like consuming <laughs> the contents of our rv's septic tank so she, you know finally it stops but we're still you know finally the hose is empty, the tank is empty but we're still in a puddle a pool of this shit and you know there's no running water because we're not in an RV, we're, you know, at a campsite, we're by the side of the road, so, but my Nana is insistent that we have got to get this stuff off of us. Well, I mean, it makes sense. She was the voice of reason at this point. But no running water. So we go back in the RV, and she, you know, she runs back in the RV, hysterical, comes out with a two liter of Coke, which is apparently the only liquid we had in the RV, and she just starts dousing us with Coca-Cola. She's like, we gotta, you gotta get it off you. There's, you know, we can't get back in the RV covered in this shit. So we have a two liter bottle of Coke that my Nana is like spraying it, like she's shaking it up, putting her thumb on it, like it's hosing us down with Coca-Cola, trying to get the septic tank off us. Let me tell you, 
the only thing worse than being covered in your own and your family's wastewater is then being hosed off with Coca-Cola. <laughs> so here we are, the four of us. You know, we got to get the fuck out of there because pretty soon someone's going to cruise by and be like, what are you fucking idiots doing what do you think you're doing? So we get back in the RV and we're all covered in toilet paper and blue septic tank and piss and shit and Coca-Cola. And then we get back in the RV and we just, <laughs> the four of us sitting in this RV just completely fucking traumatized. And so get back in the RV and go about our way. I guess we... Probably went to the to the nearest campground of America and rolled in there, and <laughs> that's where we hosed off. <clears throat> now I gotta tell you, I don't remember anything about the rest of that trip. I don't remember going to Disney World. <laughs> I mean, I know I did. I've seen the pictures. Uh, it was probably fun, but. We so and we still had the return trip. Uh, I don't remember it being as eventful, <laughs> but I do know that it was fucking miserable. And that, folks, is my holiday horror story. My birthday is on December twenty first. So happy birthday! We're recording on <laughs> December twenty first. When I was younger, my mom was so busy with running around like a complete nutcase that she forgot my birthday. So what she did very early on Christmas morning was that she took one of my Christmas presents and unwrapped it, rewrapped it with birthday paper, and gave it to me <laughs> with all my other Christmas presents. Now, I was old enough to know what she'd done, so I was like, Mom, what the fuck? But <laughs> I guess it's the thought that counts, right? I always celebrate my birthday and hate Christmas, and she knew that. <laughs> That is such a weird, like, how could you forget your own kids' birthday? Yeah, yeah, it sucks for the kids that have birthdays near uh, near Christmas. I do, like, I'm not one of them, but, like, I, I do, I can imagine it would suck for them. Like, I mean, you know, one of my kids is near Thanksgiving birthday, so I, I understand the... You know, they want these presents, but you still have to be have them look forward to something. Mm -hmm. uh, that is if you guide your holidays with gifts. Um, you want him to look forward to something on the next holiday, which is yeah. literally a month away. So you don't want to, like, <laughs> excuse me for saying it, blow your load on the first one. <laughs> but so, you know, I, I, it's really hard. So I, I get that part of it. But then the other part is. You want to, at least for me, you want to celebrate them as an individual. You want to help them build a sense of uh, healthy ego, mm -hmm. a, a sense of worth. And if you're constantly looking over them and past them and through them for whatever holiday, yeah. you're never actually getting to celebrate them. Like, I think you could actually like damage a child's psyche a little bit. Yeah. My mom uh, admitted to me uh, as a young adult that when my aunts used to send boxes of presents, not like a lot of presents, but they would send mm -hmm. a few, that she would open them all up. And if she liked a gift that was meant for me <laughs> more, oh, she no. would just she would just take it and <laughs> not 
So like she kept a pair of gloves and apparently no like way. I think there was uh, some jewelry at some point. And then she told me, "Bah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have cared about that stuff. I, I appreciated it more." <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm like thanks, mom. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. How do you? Wow. And so do you have a good relationship with your mom? I do. Actually, she's she's living with me now, believe it or not. So oh. that's it. Uh, I want to clarify for the audience. She is living with me. I, <laughs> I am not living with her. I just want everyone to know yeah. that that's how it's going down. <laughs> I am a grown I woman. I do not live in my mom's basement. <laughs> I do not live in my mom's basement. She lives in my apartment that I had before she moved in. I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I would, again, like to thank everyone who submitted their holiday stories, uh, either via social networking or email. And, uh, it, you know, or actually, I got some <laughs> via uh, texting. Uh, too. So um, thank you all for that. I really appreciate it. And we do have a winner. Uh, it is RV. So obviously, I'm going to keep it vague there, but you should be receiving the very first and only existing nine cents mug, uh, to actually make your holiday a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. Thank you so much for participating and everyone else. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. All right. And, uh, I guess as far as holidays go, holiday episodes, we're going to close this one down, uh, on the high note. Yeah. I mean, I might try to wrap like my dick in a box later, but mess you <laughs> the wife <laughs> unwrap it. I don't know how that'll go, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, you're gonna design an e card where you like untie the bow, <laughs> and then there's like a pop up penis yeah. thing. That's how. Yeah. I I do have to say, like one of my uh, friends in high school gave me a birthday card, which was literally like a super zoomed in dude's junk so it was his <laughs> cock and balls and on top of his dick was glasses so it looked like his, his long-nosed face at first glance right. and the longer you stare at it the, you like immediately realize that's not a mustache those are hairy balls wow this is the grossest thing ever and then you realizing that I've been staring at a dick for yeah. a good full minute and like smiling and saying thank you oh yeah so, awful. Oh, so, <laughs> so fucked up so maybe that'll be my greeting card. It'll be a little Santa beard. I'm getting, I'm not quite old enough for uh, my hair to be white, but that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, coming. <laughs> so gross. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Nine Cents and uh, spending a little bit of your holiday with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so shoot us an email if you have any comments or questions or suggestions at info at You can always check us out on social networking. Um, for example, this past week, I released a family photo uh, only in social networking on 9 Cents, and so you can check that out. Actually, no, I took it down now, but stuff like that is short-lived. Little glimpses into my life. Um and so if you're interested in stuff like that, definitely check it out. You can also catch cutting room floor clips on social, social networking sites. Uh, so if you follow us on Satanet, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, and MySpace, you're going to get a little bit extra of nine cents than you do if you just tune into the show every week uh, via the website or uh, RSS feed. Um, again, RSS feeds can be found at ninecentspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And uh, you can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes, or there are a ton of Android-based 
RSS feed uh, podcast subscription programs or apps. Or I don't even know what Android calls them. Neither do I. Droid-ish things. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're out there. You just have to look for them. I don't actually own an Android, so I wouldn't be able to help you very much. Again, if you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan and Satanism, visit churchofsatan.com. And the only way we're going to continue doing this podcast is if you continue tuning in and sharing it. So help spread the word. Keep it up. Thank you so much for doing so. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Witch Zaptic. The beautiful, lovely Witch Zaptic. And until next week, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! going to get off that easy. I'm going to have to give mine too. I demanded you listeners give me yours. I demanded some co-hosts give me theirs. It's only fair. I give you mine. <laughs> Problem is, mine comes with a seven-year itch. Unless you take a couple penicillin shots after the doctor and he probes your urethra with a Q-tip sponge-like device. Um, Alright, so I grew up in a religious household, which meant the holidays are very much an orig- a religious affair. None. <laughs> See, and here's what drives me nuts. I envy my children because they get a secular holiday, which means you get to have all the fun without any of the shame. I, on the other hand, had the shame. So my parents would make the, uh, my brothers and sisters, my brother and sisters do this nativity scene holiday affair where a doll was the babe of Jesus. And one of us was, one of us boys was Joseph, (laughs) which whatever and the uh, the other uh, Mary was played by one of the sisters so already it's this really weird um, brother and sister incestual pairing as the uh, non having sex parents of this immaculate conception of a child so they <laughs> just completely confusing in and of itself trying to put yourself in this position the worst part was is it, there weren't any even like lines or anything. Like we didn't have to come out. Hello, my name is Blood, and I blah blah blah. Nothing. We just had to stand there long enough for my parents to sort of take it all in with their eyes. It was this really weird, creepy silence that that went around. So we'd had like <laughs> literally towels on our head with like '80s girls' belts <laughs> holding them on. So you know they were like super pink and. This really ridiculous clothing, which consisted of like bed sheets basically, so that we would look like these Middle Easterners, <laughs> as if uh, 1980s uh, struck back in time. But um, so I was sitting here doing this, and it, it was at one of these really wonderful moments that my older sister thought it would be incredibly funny 
to uh, <laughs> grab the back of my pants and my underwear and yank them up as hard as she could. So the shame of having to be in this um, fictional biblical relationship with one of my other sisters wasn't bad enough. But now she literally pulls my underwear up so hard they're like squeezing my poor little Adam testicles and my underwear is getting wedged right up in the asshole. So it's like a fucking dental floss against <laughs> my poor little bunghole. Pulled it up so hard it literally ripped. And she was standing up with the elastic strap of my tidy whities up around the back of my head because it had ripped up and off. And so immediately I'm screaming. I was a complete pussy as a little boy. Screaming out of the top of my lungs. Like, ah, that's so bad. Oh my God, my God. And my parents literally are sitting there watching this presentation doing nothing until tears are streaming down my face. And I look to my mom for just a little bit, just a, a tiny ounce of sympathy or maybe for her to yell at my sister to freaking stop or something. And both parents at the exact same time bust out laughing. That's right, shame. Shame with a dash of mocking laughter on top. Worst fucking holiday experience ever. Uh, to add to the pain of that year. I didn't even get what I wanted. My brother got what I wanted. <laughs> ah! It was terrible. Anyway, happy holidays. If you're on the business day, charge them till the nuts spent, spread it down to the number three. Vicious cycle, carry the dog, have a double world of God, time to escape the basketball!